Live with CDP, a weekly sports and entertainment podcast, live on YouTube, Facebook Live, Twitter, and on audio via Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, and Anchor FM. Now here's your host, Chris Pame. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Live with CDP Sports Talk, Season 5, Episode 14, 234th episode altogether. Uh, again, I hope everyone's having a great day on this um, Thursday, January 5th, 2023. And again, Live with CDP Sports Talk is brought to you by Barry Cullen Chevrolet Dealership at 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall. You can check out barrycollin.com for the newest selection of new and pre-owned GM vehicles or give the dealership a call at 519-824-0210 and tell them CDP, a.k.a. Chris Palme sent you there as well. And also, guys, you can do your pre-orders for the all-electric Cadillac Lyric or the all-electric Silverado as well. And again, I want to say thank you to Barry Collin Chevrolet for sponsoring Live with CDP podcast anyways guys i'm looking forward to my show today this is the second appearance today's guest is sean bernard he is the uh, media relations manager and the tv and radio play-by-play announcer for the ontario hockey league's Erie otters and recently he just did his 100s broadcast as well and he's also now a host of a new podcast show called the usa podcast and i'm going to talk to sean a little bit about that and uh, also about the world junior tournament and the uh, Canada-U.S. game last night as well. Just one br- one second, guys, and I'm going to bring on the voice of the Ontario Hockey League's Erie Otter, Sean Bernard. Good afternoon, Sean. How are you doing? Chris, I'm doing great, and a uh, Happy New Year to you and to your watchers. Thank you so much. Happy New Year as well. When people say 2023, I'm like, oh, my God, what happened to 1993, 1983? <laughs> so it's like every decade seems to go by quick. Yeah, 2023 still hasn't rolled off the tongue or well into the email chains just yet. I'm still right in 2022. So hopefully by March, I'll have that down in the right way. And I was going to say, did you watch some of the game last night between the U.S. and Canada? Yeah, having friends on either side of the border, uh, it was definitely a game that there was a lot of intrigue in. I I don't have really an opinion one way or the other on some of the disavowed goals, but, uh, you know, an entertaining game and excited to see what Team Canada does here. Obviously, Connor Bedard has had an unbelievable World Juniors, and I know a lot of OHL guys who are playing in the, uh, the World Junior Championship for the championship. So, you know, rooting for them. As an OHLer, a little disheartened as an American, but hey, you take your wins and your losses where you can. Yeah, U.S. was off to a good start, two nothing, and then I don't know what happened there. I know they had two goals disallowed as well, and one of the goals probably should have been counted. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things. I think depth is really a big thing for Team Canada too, and obviously when you've got workhorses at the top like Jack Matier, Connor Bedard, who I mentioned earlier, you know, I think they just had a lot of the lethality that they really had to be able to fall back on. And going down to nothing, they call it the most dangerous lead in hockey. I try and avoid that cliche, but I think they just really had the wheels and the will to want to be able to make it happen, and you know, hoping for the best form for the gold medal game. You've seen Connor McDavid play. How good is this Connor kid? Is he is he <laughs> going to be another uh, McDavid, Wayne Gretzky type player, possibly? 
You know, it's tough to say. I mean, Bedard is certainly putting up the numbers and he's having a fantastic season once again out in the WHL. You know, I try not to fall into the the convictions of the next Crosby, the next McDavid, because you just don't know how development's going to go or how they'll transition into the, the pro game when they do transition. But, you know, Michael Misa got exceptional status for the Ontario Hockey League this year. A lot of people had, you know, differing opinions on if he was worth the exceptional pick or not. I think he's proved a lot of doubters wrong with the season that he's had this season. So the transition from any level of hockey into the next level of hockey is a tough one to say the least when you're transitioning from, uh, you know, triple a into major junior, when you're transitioning from, uh, you know, tier one, tier two, or junior A, junior B into the OHL or WHL or the QMJHL. But that jump really going from major junior or college hockey into the pro game, it's a challenging one. But when you talk about the guys like, you know, Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, and what they've been able to do at the next level, it hasn't been much of a difference than what they did in major junior. So, you know, Bedard, he has a very close last name to me. So for nothing else than almost familial senses, I'm hoping the best for him. Definitely. And uh, Steve Bell, the voice of the Windsor Spitfires uh, for uh, two stints up to 40 years, just came on and just said, you're a really nice guy. And uh, same with Steve Bell. He's one of the nicest guys as well. And I need to get up to Windsor as well. I need to pretty well travel around the league now with everybody I've had on my show. I was thrilled that the Spitfires did a Steve Bell appreciation night. The only thing I was disheartened by was that there was no Steve Bell bobblehead because I have a shelf right here in the office waiting for a Steve Bell bobblehead. I think the Windsor Spitfires need to do that to honor him and stuff like that. And uh, one of the best in the business and him and Manny Pava have been really good with coming on my show and really good guys, really supportive. And uh, I'm hoping they do well uh, this season. They are doing well. And uh, like you said, I've been very lucky to have guys like yourself and Steve on from the Ontario Hockey League. To even be in the same sentence with Steve Bell, let alone Manny Pava, that's something special. Steve's been doing it for 40 years, and you know I hope for his sake, and I know he's hoping to, another 40 years of Beller time is coming in the Windsor-Essex area. Definitely. And uh, I was going to say, and um, there's, there's so many good guys across the OHL. Um, Mike Stubbs, Jim Van Horn, uh, you got Larry Malott in Guelph, and you'll see Larry the next uh, two nights. And What a uh, treat. Every- Yes. Yeah, he has a lot of good stories. I'm surprised he hasn't written a book yet about his uh, hockey career because he's been doing broadcasting, I think, in Guelph since the late 70s. You know, it's it really is humbling being such a new guy still in the Ontario Hockey League. And like you said, being able to meet guys like Beller, like Larry, uh, like Mike Stubbs up in London. And then you got the Kitchener guys as well, Pope and Farwell. Like these are these are in their own rights and in their own regards, legends of the Ontario Hockey League. And I know they'll be the first to deny it, especially when you, uh, you know, mention names like Don Cameron. But, you know, these are guys who have been doing it for so long at such a high level. And we go back to the guys in Windsor. I mean, Manny, he has more than his fair share of Ontario Hockey League play-by-play experience with the attack, <laughs> with the platers, you know, and now he's being able to serve in a, in a role alongside Steve. So, you know, there's a lot of legendary figures who are, are in this league right now who will be the first person to deny their status as legends. But as a new guy who's still going through the, the full circuit in his second season, it's it's been great and really humbling to get to know these guys. 
and congratulations on your hundreds broadcast. I think it happened a week or two weeks ago, but congratulations to make it to a hundred broadcasts. Thank you. Yeah, no, it was really a tremendous honor. You know, I, uh, I didn't get the benefit really of growing up in, in OHL circles. I knew about the Saginaw spirit when I was growing up, I knew about the Plymouth Whalers, but it wasn't until the Flint Firebirds came to town that the OHL really grabbed my heart and, you know, to be able to be in here and not just be in the league, but to now have called over a hundred games, it's, it's a small milestone compared to, you know, the shoulders of giants that I'm trying to stand on all around the Ontario hockey league, let alone the entire Canadian hockey league, but hundred games is a, it's a really cool feeling. And, uh, you know, I think the next hundred is going to be even more fun. When you're at home, you do, do you have a color analyst with you? And then when you're on your road, you do the games on your own. Games on the games on my own, both home and road. Last season was my first foray since I graduated uh, university and college where I had a color commentator. Uh, that was Eric Konwinski. He's now the play-by-play voice of the Oklahoma Warriors in the North American Hockey League. It's not that I think I'm the smartest person in the room because I'll be the first person to tell you that's not the case. It's just I think for myself, I'm still developing a lot too as a broadcast professional. And I don't know if I want to call it falling back on a color commentator or anything along that regard, but I think for me to be a really well-rounded broadcaster, I I need to be able to have that role both as play-by-play and color. So, you know, as I hopefully knock on wood, continue to move up in, you know, the next years and, and decades ahead, you know, obviously a color commentator will be more of a uh, uh, a choice by the organization, but the the Iriotters are class act, first class organization where they trust in their people, and they've allowed me to make a lot of the decisions in the broadcast and media realm. And you know, as the uh, hundreds of games go by here in the Ontario Hockey League, maybe it'll be something where I do add more of a full time color commentator position, road and home. But for now, I just want to continue to be able to professionally develop. That's not to say that I still don't have a number of very talented assistants and interns here in Erie who I want to be able to continue to get professional experience for them as well. Uh, I know our broadcast assistant this season, Trevor Kubea, uh, he got the chance to be able to call all of our preseason games. Uh, In fact, he's up for an award for one of his preseason broadcasts because they were the first college radio station here in Erie to call an Otters preseason game. And now they're up for a intercollegiate broadcasting systems, best hockey play-by-play award. So that's what I want to do. I want to be able to, you know, I was given a fantastic opportunity in 2016 by then voice of the Flint Firebirds, Dom Hennig, to be able to step into a weekend pair of games and get my first taste of the OHL. Eric last season was able to get his first taste when he was able to fill in for the great Joey Botano in Saginaw when he was out for a weekend. And, you know, should the time come, and I know next or next season for sure it will come, uh, that there will be a chance for, uh, you know, my assistant to be able to fill in and get his first taste of the OHL. I think being able to, you know, remember where you came from and, and give back to the next generation is such a huge thing. And that's what I'm getting from a lot of people on the on the media. I had the Philly fanatic on my show a couple of weeks ago. The guy who plays the Philly wow. fanatic never thought I'd have a chance of getting him on. His name's Tom Begoyne. 
great guy and uh, I had him on for an hour and everybody in your profession or what I'm trying to do has been so supportive of what I'm doing. They're not judging me my uh, based on my age or going to college for broadcasting. Everybody's been trying to assist me and help me out. And uh, I'm now doing work for the University of Guelph Griffins. There I we do, go. I do camera work for their varsity teams. So I get to see some great hockey and some basketball and stuff like that. And I see some former OHLers uh, with the Griffins as well. And uh, the more I can learn, the better. It's just everybody, like I said, in your profession has been really supportive of what I'm trying to do. I think it's really important in media to, I don't think it's just not about not burning bridges, but I think it's about reinvesting and being able to, you know, keep a tight network because I know for me, you know, I wouldn't be where I am right now without the people who wanted to take a chance on someone like me, someone my age, et cetera. And same thing, you know, anything that I can give, any wisdom that I have at 26 that I can impart on, you know, the next generation of broadcasters, it all comes back around. And I remember when I started college at Central Michigan University, one of the first things that I heard there that really stuck with me was give more, get more. You know, the more you give, the more you're able to invest, the more that you're able to give to the next generation of people and to people who are like you or want to get to where you are, the more you're going to get out of it, whether it's actually benefit like, you know, a job, a promotion, something financial or monetary or anything like that. That's one thing. But just being able to have the, you know, the, the feeling that you made a difference, that you helped somebody, I think that's even more important. And, you know, I've been thrilled just in my short time as a professional broadcaster and being able to provide opportunities or leeways or or chances for someone to be able to step in, get that first taste. And I think that's really the thing that over the last couple of years has meant more to me than accolades or awards or, you know, milestones is just being able to know that, you know, for instance, Eric last season with me, we had a tight bond. He was a great intern. He worked his tail off. And as soon as he graduated college, he had a full-time sports opportunity waiting for him in Oklahoma city. So you know, I think that's the most rewarding thing because now it's going to be the same thing where eventually Eric's going to have his own intern. Eric's going to be able to give that intern opportunities. They're going to have their own team, their own job, and it's going to be like a tree. And I think being able to have the same way that you see it in the National Football League when they talk about the Bill Belichick coaching tree. You know, I know myself and Jack and Flint and Dylan in uh, – Dylan and Saginaw, we all joke that we're part of the, the Dom Hennig broadcasting tree because in some way, shape or form, he helped us get our start in the Ontario Hockey League. And it's the same thing. If I can branch off that tree and provide opportunities and same thing for Jack or Dylan, they're going to do that. That's just the kind of things that we've been taught upon and, and kind of raised up with. Pay it forward is basically exactly. what it is. And if, if I'm lucky enough to make it in the radio industry, I would like to do the same thing as well. I've even got people now asking me about how to start up a podcast and that. And I'm like, I never thought people would be doing that because I started from the bare bottom when I started uh, three years, almost three years ago. I started on Instagram and I was not very good. And I couldn't get guests on for about four or five months. And, and then, like you said, Anytime you do reps, anytime you do something more and more, you start improving and stuff like that. And then people started seeing the body of my work on social media and then guests started coming on. And now look who you've talked to, the Philly fanatic. I, I saw you had Chuck Swirsky on yes. pretty recently. I mean, you've, and, and I know you're a big, big Detroit sports guy too. Yeah. I know you've talked to all the guys on that side of the border. 
Darren McCarty I've had oh, on yeah. and Ken Daniels and I'm working on Ken coming back on and we're really these guys are really great guys and what I love about this is storytelling and also I learned things from my guests that I didn't know about and and that's the one thing I love doing is continuously to learn new things and share stories. I think that's the most exciting thing about just the media realm and whether you're behind the camera on camera, you know, a radio guy, I think just being able to share the anecdotes. I mean, people, whether or not they like sports, they love sports stories or they love, you know, the tales of, you know, what happens on the bus or when the final whistle blows or anything like that. So, you know, I think that's what's been most rewarding for me in the last couple of years is just being able to meet people like you or like-minded individuals or people in this industry and just be able to sit down for a few minutes, talk stories and, and you know, share the anecdotes of what makes the realm and the industry that we're in so special. Definitely. Now, I wanted to uh, bring up this as well. You and uh, uh, Casey Bryan uh, started up a USA podcast about the American side of the Ontario Hockey League. Can you just tell my audience and myself a little bit about your podcast and who came up with the idea and, and all that? Yeah, so Casey and I are similar in a lot of veins. We both come from the uh, minor pro hockey world. He was with the uh, Danbury Hat Tricks of the Federal Professional or Federal Prospects Hockey League. I was in Fayetteville with the Fayetteville Marksman of the Southern Professional Hockey League. And I was really impressed by Casey when he hit the scene because he had some of the funniest social media, like some of the most ingenious social media posts as an organization that I've ever seen. And I reached out to him uh, a couple of years back and was like, hey, man, like, I just want to say, like, you do an awesome job. Like you're hilarious. It's really professional, but you just really go for it and you go out there. And we kind of connected from there. Um, you know, fast forward through COVID and everything, I get the opportunity here in Erie and I get a call out of the blue from Casey and we weren't super close, super tight by any means, but he calls me, he said, uh, Hey man, um, former uh, colleague of mine is working in the WHL with the Everett silver tips. Um, you know, I, I want to figure out if this is a good opportunity for me, if this is the right direction, you know, I'm kind of looking at a few things. What can you tell me about major junior? And I wax poetic about, you know, just the opportunities up here, how fun just watching the CHL and major junior hockey is. And, uh, lo and behold, he, he rightfully so ends up getting the opportunity in Everett and has frankly crushed it out there. Um, but you know, having a colleague finally kind of in the, in the CHL, um, I was able to catch up with him a lot. We were able to talk a lot. I became a huge Everett Silver Tips fan. He became the exact same for the Erie Otters where, you know, if we would be traveling, you know, it helped for me because our game would come to an end about 10 o'clock uh, Eastern time when that's about the time that their games would be uh, dropping the puck Western time. So I got to watch a lot of Silver Tips games. But um, in talking so much, Casey and I have a, a lot of similarities. He's a super nice guy, really funny guy, and obviously well-beloved out West. And, you know, I had thrown it out as a joke last year. I was like, oh, you know what? We should, uh, you and me and a guy from the QMJHL should start a podcast called Major Juniors, where we do our, our um, what was the call? Not Major Juniors. It was um, five-minute majors. That's what we wanted to call it. And it was going to be five-minute recaps of what was happening in each of our leagues. Um, the problem was uh, neither him nor I speak Quebecois and we don't know anybody out in the QMJHL. So we're like, you know what, what would be like another idea? And I was like, you know what, like uh, there's eight teams in the United States in the Canadian Hockey League. And you hear so much about the teams on the other side of the border and rightfully so, you know, it's the Canadian Hockey League and your big markets are, of course, 
you know, you've got Ottawa, you've got Winnipeg, you've got Montreal, uh, you've got uh, uh, Windsor, you've got all these big cities. So of course, when TSN or CBC or, you know, any of the major networks are going to talk about the Canadian hockey league, they're going to talk about the Canadian cities, the Canadian players. And I was like, you know, we have some relevance here. You know, we've had great players come from the United States, Alex to We've seen Memorial cup champions come from Spokane. We've had Memorial cup games hosted in the United States. And I know Saginaw is going forward for the 2024 Memorial cup. Like why not just talk about the, I mean, we're Americans. Why not just talk about the American perspective? So you know, it's a little bit, we've only done the two episodes so far, our launch, but I know we've got a lot of exciting stuff planned. We want to talk to our colleagues who are working in the Canadian Hockey League or, you know, those who used to work on the American side of the, the CHL, but have since graduated to different or higher roles. Mike Benton, the former voice of the Everett Silvertips, who's now the uh, radio pregame, postgame host for the Seattle Kraken, for example. Uh, Joey Botano, who is the longtime voice of the Saginaw Spirit, now with the Orlando Solar Bears, another guy that we want to talk to. And then, of course, our our friends in broadcasting around the uh, the CHL. I mentioned Jack and Dylan in, in Flint and Saginaw, respectively. Nick out in Portland. Uh, and not just the broadcasters, but also talk to you know the players, the coaches from the United States who are you know kind of following what for some reason here in the USA is more of an untraditional route in Canada or especially in Ontario. I know, you know, working in the OHL, the OHL is, is basically the show. It's basically the big league in Ontario. You know, when you get a, when you're a young broadcaster and you get a chance in the OHL, that is, that's the pinnacle. Obviously the dream is always the NHL, but the OHL is basically the step right below it for, for folks who, who grow up in Ontario and for players, you know, they dream of being able to play at the Kitchener Memorial Auditorium, the Budweiser Gardens, or any of the other, you know, 16, 17 rinks around Ontario in the OHL. But for us in the States, you know, I, I made the joke on our first or second episode of the podcast, USA. I said, you know, when I told people down in North Carolina or back home in Michigan that I was moving to Erie to work for the Otters, they said, are you nervous about living in Canada? And I said, I, I would be if Erie wasn't in Pennsylvania. But I think, you know, those are just the stories that I've always been interested in is when you're growing up as an American player, an American coach, you might have a, a semblance of an idea about the Portland Winter Hawks or the Seattle Thunderbirds or the Flint Firebirds or maybe back in the day, you know, the Plymouth Whalers. But college hockey in the States still seems to be the preferred method of getting to the National Hockey League or what you do as an amateur. So I want to, you know, hear from guys like on our team, Liam Gilmartin, how did you go from a Virginian to now playing in one of the most successful developmental programs in the entire world here in the Canadian Hockey League? So it's just something that, you know, we have a lot of fun with. We have a lot of fun, not just being able to talk about the Canadian Hockey League, but, you know, we have a lot of ways that we can uh, ring it back into our minor pro circles. And we've got more than our fair share of stories. So um, something we wanted to start up. And so far, we've had a lot of fun with it. I've already subscribed to it and I'm going to listen to your first two episodes tonight before I go to bed. And I also uh, retweeted it on my Twitter page as well. Where can my audience, uh, do you guys have a set date and time that you do your episodes? Nothing set just yet. Again, we're still kind of working out the initial stages. I know we're doing our next episode next week. Uh, he's on the road right now. They're out in Kamloops and we're just trying to get things uh, kind of figured out as we're, starting this right in the middle of our season and our, our travel schedules don't always align, but we want to do it pretty regularly. We want to do, I think, new episode every two weeks and folks can find it 
just about anywhere that they get their podcasts, uh, Spotify, Audible, Odyssey, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music. Those are the biggest ones for us. Uh, or if you just Google um, US, U period S period E-H question mark, you'll be able to find it most likely on Podomatic. So want to make it accessible and fun and something that people on either side of the border can really enjoy. And uh, Mike Stubbs of the London Knights has started his own podcast show up too called The Night Shift. As well. Oh, yes, yes. I yes. did see that. So I think that's great as well. I think he's a terrific broadcaster and he's a really good person. And uh, I'm pretty well friends with almost every broadcaster with across the league. So I might just have to get an OHL t-shirt instead of uh, supporting one team. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying for sure. And, you know, it's funny because I know Mike and I were talking right before uh, our home opener when we were going to be playing London. And uh, I think it was either on London Live or it might have been the night shift that we were talking. And, you know, it's funny. We talk about the rivalry between the Erie Otters and the London Knights, but so many of the people over in that organization make it so hard to, you know, have a disdain or a rivalry off the ice because if if the only person that I knew from the London Knights was Mike Stubbs, they would be one of my favorite teams in all of hockey just because he's such a state and Jim Van Horn as well, yeah. not to discredit him and his role in any sense either. They're just such nice, genuine people. And I know when we had uh, we had came out with the uh, the London suck shirt. I remember Mike was like, you know what? This is just genius. And I was talking to some fans in London uh, when we were there on December 28th and I can't remember the gentleman's name and my apologies to him, but anyone who goes to London games would probably know him as the guy with like the purple Mohawk. He came up to me and he said, I just wanted to let you know that I think the London suck shirt was the coolest idea I've ever seen in hockey. And I was like, you know what? Like it's good that a rivalry can be so intense on the ice, but there can be that mutual respect, whether it's, you know, love or hate off the ice. So, um, you know, always fun to go to the Budweiser gardens and even more of a pleasure to see Mike and Jim. And one of my friends um, who I befriended this summer um, was traded along with Ryan Winterton, uh, Ryan Humphrey, uh, to the London Knights. So I said to Ryan, I'm going to have to start cheering for the Knights because uh, he's a really good kid. Uh, he was a big contributor with the Bulldogs last year. And with them getting Ryan Winterton, uh, my friend Ryan Humphrey, and also George Diaclo uh, from the Bulldogs, the Knights have just strengthened themselves uh, for a good playoff run, in my opinion. Man, it's an arms race here in the Western Conference. It's been really crazy to watch. And, you know, I, I see I was looking at the standings again today as I was preparing, of course, for tomorrow's game against Guelph. And, you know, Kitchener, even a team that is is on the rise, of course, in the Western Conference, but still kind of more on the outside looking in for serious competitor status. The acquisitions they have made in the last couple of weeks, and that's the team they are looking at in sixth, seventh place. That terrifies me because I think it's really going to be a battle of attrition. And obviously, we got half a season to go until the playoffs. But you know, trade deadline is when you really start to think about those teams that are the have-bins or the have-nots. And you know, teams like London, Kitchener, Saginaw has been acquiring some great pieces. Hunter Haight, who's loved to score against the Erie Otters, unfortunately, this season. Uh, another name that comes to mind, but it's been a really exciting trade deadline, uh, especially as the the last week of it comes out or not even a week uh, of it still comes here. But, you know, I've been really excited to see just really who's going to be the king of the West. And I've been keeping an eye on the East since we're playing them a lot more this season. 
last year was weird because we only played Niagara and Hamilton in the Eastern Conference. So almost didn't, and no, no offense whatsoever to the OHL Eastern Conference. It almost didn't exist in my mind last year. But, you know, I know we've got a big February road trip where we're going to North Bay, Sudbury, Barrie, basically all the teams that we didn't get a chance to see last year. And, um, you know, I'm excited to see who really controls the crown there. I know Ottawa has been obviously world killers all season long, and we had our uh, our one and one split against them this season. So going to be exciting to really see how things shake out. I know we've got a few days left here in the deadline, but I just have a feeling people aren't done just yet. No, and the Storm uh, made a trade on Monday. Uh, Danny Zilkinen to the Kitchener Rangers. And for many years and decades, Guelph and Kitchener would not make the trade. But uh, Zilkinen is going to be a, a good acquisition for the Rangers. And I believe Guelph acquired Jesse Fishman, a defenseman, and about six draft picks. So um, the trade deadline is January 10th. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Yeah. Do you see the area otters possibly being active before the trade deadline? I know we made the acquisition for Pano Femis right on New Year's Day, and that was a big pickup for us because he's such a talented forward. He's looking for kind of a fresh start here in Erie, and he's he's mentioned that quite a few times and what he really wants to do here. And, you know, he's in the same position the Otters have been in the last couple of years where we're a team on the outside looking in. We want to be that playoff competitor. And I think building up guys like Pano, who are so hungry for that first playoff appearance, alongside guys who have made it to the postseason, like we were able to get earlier in the season and in the preseason, Liam Gilmartin, Sam Alfano, guys who have been there and want to get back there and make some serious noise. You know, I know we're we're the team in, in 10th right now in the Western Conference, but you just still have a feeling that that early season magic, that eight and four team, that 10 and seven team, that's still a team that's in there and they're they're so close. But now getting Gilmartin back from suspension, getting Colby Saganuk back uh, after missing some games in a few weeks uh, with an injured upper body. You know, I think having them back and getting some fresh blood in the mix like Pano Femis. I don't know about any more moves. I didn't expect the Pano Femis trade to, to occur, but I was very thrilled when I heard about it when I woke up on New Year's Day. Um, but I, I don't see any more moves. I think we've made both buying and uh, and future investment trades. Obviously, we acquired uh, Alexi Davio in exchange for Christian Cairo and a boatload of picks with the Sarnia Sting, who we get to see on Sunday. Uh, so I think... I, I got to give kudos to our, our general manager, Dave Brown, here and our entire hockey operations team, because I think they've done a good job of saying we want to be a team that's going to compete. We want to be a team that's going to be looking to get into the postseason and not just make it into the postseason, but make some serious moves. But also we have to restock for the future and all the trades that they've made that have acquired them picks have not just been all 2027s or all 2025s, but let's get a pair in 2024. Let's get a pair in 2025. Let's get a few in 2026 and continue to replenish the well, which I think is crucial to build not just a team that competes for championship, but is able to compete for multiple championships. And I think the Otters are, are, are closing in in the next couple of years to getting back to that status. Right now, I'm just looking at the standings. Uh, Erie's in last place in the West, but you have four games in hand on the Guelph Storm, plus the two-game series this week, Friday, Saturday, which is going to be huge. And uh, you're not even that far away from the Kitchener Rangers because, to me, Kitchener, Sault Ste. Marie, and Guelph are three of the biggest disappointments, in my opinion, in the Western Conference this year. Yeah, this weekend, we were just talking about it here, uh, just amongst the business operations staff. You know, it's the first games of the new year, and that's significant enough in itself. But 
Guelph is obviously a team that has had our number in the last couple of seasons and, and so far this season again as well. But, you know, we view them as a team that there's still that possibility for, you know, if we can have a really good weekend series against them, there's the opportunity to jump. And, you know, ninth place in the Western Conference puts you in a very viable position to be able to make the noise and, and be able to get within the window of the playoff picture. And I think, you know, when you have half the season left, you start to worry a little bit more, but we still have half the season left here. And the standings as they are on January 5th, 2023 is not the way that it's going to shake down on, on March 25th, 2023 for the Otters last game of the season. So, you know, if there's ever a time to pick up steam, put together a few wins and, and get back into the winning ways, I think the new year and the new year's resolution is a perfect time to do it. So, you know, I think with Jesse Fishman, who you talked about, Isaac Enright, another play that they've picked up since the last time that we've seen them in the Guelph Storm. They're always a tough team. We haven't been able to find a win at the Sleeman Center since February 2020. But I always like to say there's no time like the present. And I just have a good feeling about the direction that the Otters are moving in. And I think you just got to shake off the funk. Good news is coming in, in the form of, you know, two players back from injury or suspension and a great pickup in a hungry young kid like Pano Femis. I got a good feeling about this weekend, and I hope it comes to fruition. Now, you've brought up Dave Brown. What are your overall thoughts on B.J. Adams and the Otters coaching staff so far this season? I really like what they're doing in the locker room. I think from the very start with Coach Adams and and obviously the uh, reacquisition of Coach Wolf during this offseason and, and having the head coaching experience and the championship head coaching experience of, of Coach Vince Lace too, you know, they focus a lot on let's build upon the positives, you know, let's empower the guys to make their own decisions. And, you know, you talk to the young guys or the overage guys and they say that, you know, it's not divided that the rookies don't get more of an opinion or that the overagers have all the opinion. They try and make it to the locker room as an open space where everyone's voice can be heard, which I think is a really, really crucial thing, not just in, in the sport of hockey, but in, you know, professional and personal development for a guy who's 15, 16 year old to have a voice in the locker room with 20, 21 year olds. So, you know, obviously it's been a bit of a rough stretch here for the Erie Otters, but I think coach Adams, coach Lace and, and coach Wolf really know what they're doing and they're going to lead this team into the right direction. They're getting the good news back. And there's there's improvements that you don't see when you see a, a mark in the loss column. But the power play for the Erie Otters was in the basement of the OHL for so much of the season when the team was you know garnering all these wins. Now, I think it's jumped back down to 18th, but it was 12th last week. So it was jumping up eight spots when it was finding itself as a not successful unit. Their penalty kill has been the top in the or top five in the OHL all games but one this entire season and you're seeing diversified scoring again Malcolm Spence with his second career overtime game winning goal and he's a a rookie player and he got that on New Year's Eve Eve um you know I think a lot of the young guys Caleb Smith who's a second year guy Bruce McDonald who's really had a terrific first season here in the OHL you're seeing diversified scoring you're seeing the puck get passed around a lot you know, it's just the the small things, the closing out games. But the Otters had a really tough gauntlet in December. They were going up against some great teams and uh, and Windsor, London, a couple of times, and of course Guelph to start the start off the month. But you know, I think there's a lot to look forward to in 2023, and I'm excited to see what the coaching staff and the players are able to come up with, especially starting tomorrow in Guelph. Has there been a couple of players that need to step up their game and they've kind of struggled this season that you'd like to see them uh, step up their game in the second half? 
Ah, uh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't call anybody out specifically because I think okay. it's it's easy to um, you know, get down on some players who maybe you expected more goals for or you know, a better plus minus. But ultimately at the end of the day, I think you know, hockey is a team sport. And I think that the success and the failure of any unit, any line, the team as a whole is on the team as itself. And, you know, I've been really surprised in a positive sense with a lot of the young guys. And, you know, we talked about, I think all of us here internally talked about what a great, you know, draft class that this team was proven to be. And I think it wasn't proven any more so than, and this is, this is well in the past at this point, but it still gets me really excited about the future. You know, Nicholas Holomigo, for example, you know, picked to play in the, uh, the greater Ontario junior hockey league, future stars game, you know, as a defenseman, he played a handful of games here in Erie and, and up in Owen sound for the otters and really proved that he is a defenseman of the future. And he's still getting the chance to develop down with the Fort Erie meteors and the GOJHL. A guy like Jacob Gibbons, I think was a really fun surprise too. And obviously it was a, it's been a loaded goaltending room here in Erie, but he got his chance in his first start way back uh, early in the season, uh, had a great game, got his first career win in his first career game. Um, so, you know, I think I, I like to focus a lot on the upsides and I think more of the positive surprises than maybe some of the letdowns. And I think that there is a lot of upside and I just get really excited when I think about, you know, the, the young guys that have developed and come so far and, and just to share an anecdote about that. I know last season, Caleb Smith really established himself as a gritty physical kind of third line forward he came into preseason he came into training camp and a lot of heads were turning just here in the in the business operations staff i can tell you that uh confidently where we were like man like he looks bigger he looks faster he looks like he's more in control of the puck and it's paid off for him he's got six goals this season after having just one in his first year and he's been just one of those guys who he comes in every day works his tail off is always around the puck and he's learned a lot, I think, from from guys on either side of the puck. Defenseman Cameron Morton, I think he styles a lot of his game after that. And, you know, to be able to say the same thing, I think even the addition of Sam Alfano has, has helped him a lot in kind of recognizing how to be both a bigger guy and a guy with soft hands. So I'm excited to see a guy like Caleb Smith and just the leaps and bounds that he's made from season one to season two uh, as a, a great surprise. And I think Someone who's been kind of a surprise, but also not a surprise, is Kerry Terrance. I he's a B rank right now in the 2023 uh, NHL Central Scouting Players to Watch uh, draft prospectus. But the way that he has transitioned from a young kid in the OHL last season to sparks of brilliance toward the end of last season, and this year really just taking full control of this offense: 14 goals, seven power play goals. When I think about the, he was already a super talented kid, one of the best skaters out of the 2021 OHL draft, but to see what steps he has made and how far he has come and how high the ceiling is for him, the future is really bright. And I know that, you know, a 10th place standing in the Western conference might not spark too much confidence, but again, there's bits and pieces and puck jumps that are getting this team just steps away from being a really good team. And this leads into my next question, too, by the way. And I've learned listening skills because sometimes you talk to a guest, they can give you answers to other questions, and that's <laughs> something I've been working on. But what do the Otters, in your opinion, need to do in the second half of the season to get into the uh, OHL playoffs, in your opinion? 
Oh, that is a tough question. I think something that they did really well from the beginning of the season to now the halfway part of the season is that the team took a lot of penalties early on, which was good because I, I say that very loosely that it was good because they got the silver lining of their penalty kill, got an insane amount of experience, and it proved to be worthwhile as they've built one of the top five penalty kills in the Ontario Hockey League. But I think in the second half of the season, it's all about more of the chemistry. And I think chemistry is tough, obviously, when there's been a lot of additions and subtractions, but that's the name of the game. And I think sometimes infusing that new blood can be a really beneficial thing. Uh, obviously, I've already harped back on, on Liam Gilmartin and Sam Alfano and what they've provided for this team since coming here. But I'm really excited to see, again, what Pano Femis can do. And I think it will be a lot on, you know, more of your, your routine scores to be able to provide those serious minutes and provide the puck in the back of the net. But I think a big thing for Erie is just going to be finishing out games. You know, I think you talk about games that were so close. The 2-0 lead against Guelph on December 2nd, for example. You know, I think we've seen too many times. The Outers have put themselves in a winning position, but there's just a little bit of that that inexperience from maybe some of the younger guys or, you know, from the team coming out of COVID last season. They were in serious positions. They had serious minutes where they were in big time games. But I think it's just about now that they've had that experience of being able to see what it means to have to close out a big game and a big win. And this is a team that beat the number one team in the OHL twice this season. They beat the Windsor Spitfires eight to four on home ice. They beat the Ottawa 67s on home ice on a rescheduled Monday game. So they know what it means to be able to win the big games. But I think when you're in a rut like this, you just need to find any way whatsoever to string together not just a win which i think was massive and huge on december 30 but i think a big thing is we got a three game set this weekend against tough teams in guelph and sarnia how do you pull two wins out of here how do you get at least three of six possible points and i think the otters are heading in the right direction i can't say that enough because i really do feel it and i feel like this team has so much more to prove than people and, and critics have you know, written them off as, but I think that the future is bright here. And I think this is a team that when we're talking about February and March, they're going to be fighting for a playoff position. And I think they're going to find themselves on the inside looking out and not the outside looking in. And one word I wanted to use is especially for young hockey clubs is finding consist consistency. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. No. And I think the consistency has been such an up and down thing because the Otters had, especially early in the season, it was Four straight wins, four straight losses, five straight wins, six straight losses. And it's just been that up and down roller coaster. And it doesn't always have to be long winning streaks or long losing streaks. But I think when you can find the consistency of let's take a game or two here, maybe we drop this one to a tough opponent like the London Knights or like the Windsor Spitfires or the Saginaw Spirit. But then if we can get back, I, I think a big thing, too, is when you get an opportunity to beat the teams that you can beat. I think that builds a lot of confidence in saying, yes, we are the better team now that we've won against the team we're supposed to be better than. Let's go beat the team that we are on paper not supposed to be better than. Uh, and again, you know, I guess the silver lining is that when you're in 10th place, the only place you can go is up. And, you know, even in the, the games against Sarnia and uh, Guelph this weekend, these are teams that are above you. So if you take a win or wins out of this weekend, you, you technically had an upset. You beat teams that were above you. And I think that can do a lot of thing for confidence. That leads to my next question. Thoughts on the Otters' next opponents? Obviously, the Guelph Storm Friday and Saturday night in Guelph. And uh, who are some players that, who are some of the Otter players that the Guelph fans should keep an eye out on for Friday night at the Sleeman Center? 
I don't know how I haven't brought him up yet, but uh, in, in all the players that I've talked about the addition of, but Andre Molnar has really just set the world on fire since he got here to Erie. Five points in five games, a point in every single game at his first career goal in that win against Niagara. And I think the more that he gets acclimated to the North American game, it's just the better that he's getting out there. He's been really, really lethal on the power play for this team. Uh, four of his assist, four of his points have been assists. Two of them have been power play assists. So I think just as he continues to get serious minutes here, as the power play gets opportunities to be able to strike, he's only going to continue to score. And with the way that he's getting points right now, it's been primary assists. It hasn't just been tacked on. And that's not to discredit secondary assists by any means, but he's been the playmaker and someone's been the finisher. And that's a really good position for him to be in because he has the lethality to be a finisher. We saw it in the goal that he had against Niagara. This kid has got a rocket. He can snipe. And to be able to see what he can do when he gets the puck on his stick, I think Guelph fans are really going to want to take a look at Andre Molnar, see what he can do. Uh, Noah Sador has been really good of late. Since the holiday break, he has five points in three games with two goals and three assists. It's been really nice to see for him. And I know he's one of the guys. He's an overage forward for us. And when he came into the season, the first thing that he could talk about, the only thing that he could talk about is, I want this team to make the playoffs. I want to play playoff games. I want us to be in the postseason. Because he's a guy who hasn't been able to see OHL postseason minutes just yet. Likewise for Elias Cohen. Likewise for Cameron Morton. All your overagers. So I think he's really starting to beat the drum of the offensive production that you know fans expect out of a guy like number 74. So I think between Sador and Molnar, those are going to be fun guys to watch. I'm just interested for me, maybe it's not for Guelph fans, uh, you know, about seeing what, again, Pano Femis does when he's here. He's a talented center. He's had success uh, in this season and his two seasons here in the Ontario Hockey League. He comes in as now the third leading scorer on the Otters team and gets a chance to really be able to, you know, compete for a team that I think is in the up and up and really wants to be able to take a playoff spot here. So excited to see what he can do. And I, I can't tell you enough. For this team that hasn't won at the Sleeman Center since February 2020, if you're going to take one or two against Guelph this weekend, I know the hometown fans want it to be at the EIA on Saturday night, but if you can you know, just exercise another one of those demons and get that win on the road, I think it's a huge thing for momentum. And you know, I think what the best part is for the Otters, if they're talking about you know, just from my narrative, one of two, you know, take the one in Guelph. You get to at least come back here to the EIA with a win under your belt and say, let's just do it again. So excited to see the the guys that, you know, I mentioned, see what they can do, but also just excited to see, you know, how the Otters respond after the, uh, the break in the new year. And Guelph will be without Cam Allen. Uh, he's out for another couple of weeks with an injury. And Guelph right now is dead last in goals against average, at 160 goals a game. Uh, Dixon Grimes is no longer with the team. So it's Jacob Oster and uh, Braden Gillespie. So I'm not sure who they're going to start in net tomorrow night. I know Gillespie started the other night in London. They played well, as you mentioned, uh, like Erie. They were up 2 nothing against London after 40 minutes. And then the last five minutes, they just uh, made some miscues and had a bad bounce against them, and they lost 3-2. So Guelph is similar to Erie in being a young team and also trying to find consistency as well. I think what's really exciting about games like this is maybe in the, the standings, they might not be the 
you know, most attractive games because you're talking about the ninth place and the 10th place teams battling. But these are teams that have everything to play for, you know, and we saw it in the same thing in Niagara Erie this last weekend. You know, these are teams who are both fighting for their proverbial playoff lives. Every single game matters to them. Every single point matters to them. And, you know, it's maybe not the preferred position that you want to be in where you're fighting at the midpoint of the season to, you know, sneak into the playoffs or to get into the playoffs or earn your playoff position. But, you know, that just shows you that these guys are going to go out there. They're going to play their hearts on their or wear their hearts in their sleeves, you know, play until the last whistle and take every point that they can get. I'm excited. I, I know these two teams have a lot of pride, a lot to play for. And whoever earns these points is going to have to earn it through blood, sweat and tears. Absolutely. Are you OK for just a couple more quick questions? Sure. Absolutely. Okay, this one I had to ask you because the last time I talked to you, you didn't really get to go to the mini OHL arenas because of the pandemic. But besides Erie Insurance Arena, what are some of the other arenas across the OHL you've enjoyed broadcasting from? You know, especially with the crowd that they had on New Year's Eve Eve, Niagara, when they have a big crowd, uh, the energy in there is phenomenal. Great sight lines, I think, too. I enjoy uh, the broadcast vantage point from arenas like Guelph and Flint a lot. Um, you know, I think there's, I only got to go now once, but a place like Peterborough and especially Kingston, you know, which is of course competing for the, the opportunity to host the 2024 Memorial cup. You know, I could see, we didn't go on a, on a prime night necessarily. I think it was a midweek game when we went, but when that building is at capacity, I could see that place be rocking. So I've really enjoyed, you know, almost everywhere in the Ontario Hockey League. And, you know, I think especially when you talk about a place that's as great as the Kitchener Memorial Auditorium and seeing what Dom Hennig's been able to improve upon there and being able to get a monitor in the broadcast booth and be able to uh, get uh, ice effects up there as well, because it's quite a haul from ice level to the broadcast level. So to be able to get the sounds and the sights of the game right there next to you, that's critical. So. Um, I haven't really had many terrible experiences here in the OHL, the, the people in the communications director who, you know, make every rank feel like home through media notes, uh, internet and everything that they do. And then the building managers who make sure that the, uh, presentation on the ice and off the ice is preferable, not to mention all the, uh, people attending to the media rooms around the OHL, uh, a lot of high class class act people here. Now, last year I was covering the uh, OHL finals between Windsor and Hamilton, thanks to Josh Sweetland from the Ontario Hockey League. And uh, Reese Dumani took me up to uh, the press box at the first Ontario Center. So we go up the elevator and then I'm like, what the hell is this catwalk? He goes, come on, Chris, the catwalk's only a couple hundred feet up in the air. I'm like, Reese, is there another way up? And he goes, yeah, but you'll have to go upstairs. I said, that's fine with me. So uh, I chickened out of doing that catwalk. It was really intimidating. So I ended up going up the stairs up to the press box. I was at a breast, but I felt a lot safer than going across that catwalk at the uh, first Ontario Center. That is high up. Yeah, there's not a lot of views like that, at least in uh, in this level of hockey, where you're literally four stories above the ice on a on a on a catwalk, basically. And you know, once you get up there, the view's great. You're looking straight yes. down at everything. Just don't look through the grates, and you'll be doing fine. But uh, yeah, no, I know Reed and the team over there. They always make it very hospitable. So uh, we haven't gone to Hamilton yet this season. I think we go first time in in February or March. So I'm looking forward to getting back there because, you know, it's a it's a great building when the place is rocking in there. And, yeah. and when you get your own private booth as a broadcaster, you can't be unhappy about that. 
Well, I'll try to I'll try to work that game as a member media member because I've uh, Reese and Colin and even Reed, their broadcaster, I've made friends with as well. But I'll just take the back way up there. <laughs> Rick, Rick Zamper's CHML nine hundred and Hamilton didn't even know there was a back way to the press box because he says his knees get wobbling on that catwalk. So I'm not the only person. I believe that. <laughs> so. But uh, I'm looking forward to that as well. Hey, I just got to ask you this as well. Can you just tell my audience here a little bit about some of the promotions that the Erie Otters have done at home this season? Yeah, yeah. You know, our marketing team has done such a phenomenal job in creating some really fun games so far. Um, I know we talk about some of the, you know, more focused community initiative nights like our sock and underwear or our sock toss night that we do uh we had the first ever children's grief awareness night in sports but then you talk about some of the more lighthearted games and i know we've got winter wonderland coming up this weekend um with a uh, snow globe presented by rebich investments that uh, a lot of fans are excited about we did a tiki luau night which was a lot of fun there were hawaiian shirts as far as the eye could see and the first thousand fans got a beach towel that had the otters all adorned all over it I think one that was really special, even though I'm not an Erie, I, you know, uh, initially I've become more of an adopted Erie uh, individual, but having the night of champions where we were able to have members of the 2002 championship team and uh, video messages from the 2017 championship team alongside uh, Dylan Strom, Brad Boy's bobblehead giveaway, that was special. And again, even for someone like me who wasn't part of the 2002 run, the 2017 run, wasn't even living in this state at the time. I was getting emotional, <laughs> tearing up, thinking about it because I was like, man, like these are where your hockey memories really come from. It's those championship runs. It's those generational heroes. So, you know, that was a really fun and special night and I was glad to be a part of it. I'm always thrilled about the holiday games. Thanksgiving has been a tradition here in Erie for 47 years. And finally, New Year's Eve came back for its ninth time and almost 5,000 packed into the arena. So, you know, we have a lot of great stuff still ahead. The Star Wars night's always a classic night. Um, being able to do Black Ice Night at the end of February is our kind of culmination in Black History Month celebration. I think one of the games that took us all by surprise last year, our kids' takeover game, um, we're moving that up to a Saturday game this year after it was a Sunday game last year. We're having kids design the jersey. And really just they're taking over the full show. So I might take the night off. I might just have our uh, our, our young friend who was a six-year-old broadcaster last year do the game that night and see how he does. But no, you know, hats awesome. off to the, to the marketing and activation team here because they really work their tail off in the summer to come up with some fun nights. And, you know, the, the numbers and attendance growth and the, the fact that every meeting room and suite has been sold out for the rest of 2023 – that's, awesome. that's all the work that's done by the sales and marketing team. So hats off to them. It, hard to believe Erie, uh, when they first had their team in 1996, people were like, oh, they're not going to last long term in Erie. <laughs> but I think you guys have been there since, what, 1996? And yeah. um, overall, the attendance seems to be good. And and the big picture scheme in Erie, I think the Otters are just as, as important as the uh, Erie Seawolves are. Or Seawolves are. I would say, I think, uh, I think uh, sports fans here in Northwest Pennsylvania or in Erie proper, they're really lucky with what they've got here in a sports city. And, you know, we're, we're happy right out my back window here. I've got the, uh, the UPMC park. So, you know, we're really lucky. You get great high level hockey during the winter and you get great high level baseball during the summer. So 
Um, you know, 27 years later, all those doubters who thought hockey wouldn't work here in Erie PA at the major junior level, here we are. Absolutely. And I'm going to put you on the spot before I let you go as well. I'm not sure, but uh, who are you picking to win the national championship this Monday night coming up between TCU, who upset my Michigan Wolverines, oh, yeah. and uh, the Georgia Bulldogs, who barely barely escaped uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes. You know, if you would have asked me right before the semifinal games, I would have probably bet my uh, my house uh, on Georgia. I'm after the after the TCU demolishing of Michigan and after Ohio State didn't beat Georgia because of the worst kick I've ever seen in college football. You know, I feel a little more hesitant putting all the chips in on Georgia. I think TCU has Obviously, it's the national championship. Everyone has a lot to prove and play for. But I think when the playoff rankings came out and people saw TCU got the fourth spot or uh, or the, that final spot, they were thinking, man, what is this? Like Texas Christian, the Horned Frogs. But I think they've got a lot to prove in legitimacy's sake. They're they're carrying the flag for the Big 12. And you know what? I, I I'm I'm from the South in the last three years, but I'm I'm and I I worked a little bit in Georgia, but I'm I'm pulling for Texas Christian. I want to see the Horned Frogs come away with what nobody thought would have been possible a decade ago. And in and in football, especially any given Saturday, any given yep. Sunday, any team can be beat in football. It's not like it's a best of five or a best of seven series. So I I would say TCU has nothing to lose. Georgia is the defending champs. They have all the pressure on them, but I wouldn't be shocked if TCU uh, upset them and won the ch championship. Well, you're talking about any given Sunday, and yep. I know you're uh, I know you're a Michigan sports guy. I'm certainly yep. hoping that our old friends at the Los Angeles Rams can down the Seahawks, and then primetime Jared Goff can get the uh, the Lions a win in Green Bay. And and somebody brought this up too. I think Mike uh, Matt Derry on his podcast. I think it was him that even if the Lions don't make the playoffs, if they beat the Packers and eliminate the Packers and uh, and win in Lambeau Field, that would just be as good as a playoff win. And Dan Campbell has done a heck of a job with the Lions, and to get this team eight and eight and uh, having an opportunity to make the playoffs is great as well. But that loss to Carolina is probably going to come back to bite them in the end, unfortunately. I think so too, but I think if you would have told anybody at the start of the year that uh, it would have been an eight, possibly nine win Lions team, I don't think there's a single person in Michigan who would have who would have said, no, that's not good enough. I think we're all thrilled about the future for what the Lions have to offer. And again, you said it best. You know, I was I was a little down on Motor City Dan Campbell when we were one and six. He's proved everybody wrong. And even with the Carolina loss, going back out there and smothering the Chicago Bears like Bears. that. It's just nice to be, you know, a team that can wallop other teams in the division. And I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it right now. You know, Green Bay, Minnesota, I think next year they got to be uh, they got to be careful because I think the Lions are coming to roar for that division title. Knock on wood. <laughs> if the Lions ever won a Super Bowl, do you think a Lions Super Bowl would be bigger than the Red Wings, Taggers and Pistons winning a championship? Because Mike Trinkle was on uh, Matt Derry and he said the it's Detroit is still a Lions town first of foremost yeah no i think so i think you know the nfl is just it's the beast it's it's the sports league in the united states and i think if the lions won i think i think realistically people in michigan would take a lion super bowl over a red wings pistons tigers championship for the next 50 years if the detroit lions came out in 2024 and there was a genie that came out of a bottle and the genie said, you can either have the Lions Super Bowl in 2024 
or the the Tigers, Pistons, Red Wings can compete for championships in the next 50 years. I I, I just I, I find it hard pressed to say that people wouldn't say the former. I'm just happy that the Pistons won last night against Golden State. And I, I think they're slowly making progress. I think Steve Eiserman's turning the Red Wings around slowly. I think the Taggers right now are a complete mess, but I think the Lions might be the most uh, optimistic uh, sports team in Detroit right now, the Lions, I, I, in my opinion. Yeah, between the Wings and the Lions, that's a coin flip for me. But uh, recency bias here is telling me that I've got a lot of fun Sundays coming up in the next couple of years. Hey, just quick thoughts on the Demir Hamlin um, he having a cardiac arrest on the field. And do you remember what happened with Jerry Fisher of the Red Wings in 2005 at the Joe Louis Arena? Yeah, yeah. I I was uh, I was only nine at the time with uh, with Fisher's situation. So I had to have my dad explain a lot of it to me because I don't know if I was watching the game live. I might have been watching a replay. But, you know, that uh, that was something that was brought up only a couple of years back between me and my dad. And, you know, obviously, you know, prayers are, are all with the Bills and DeMar and, and everybody involved with you know, not just the game, the city of Buffalo, his family. And of course, that's something that touches us here in Pennsylvania as he was a, a Pittsburgher. But, um, you know, a, a scary situation. Um, unfortunately, I was I was one of the, the people watching the game live on Monday night. And, you know, I can just tell you that that was, uh, yeah, I share the sentiments of everyone else in saying that I had never seen anything like that in sports. Uh, and I think the scariest thing not to, you know, not to go too long on this is that, it was a routine play, you know, and it's, it's something like that where, you know, God willing, he makes a full recovery and, uh, you know, he can live a, a fully normal life. But the scary thing is, you know, you can't look back at that as the NFL and say, well, this is what we can do to protect from this or outlaw this, because unfortunately it's a routine play. And unfortunately, again, something that terrifies me is that exact play and the way that it went down could have happened at any level of football. So most important thing is just his recovery, uh, obviously the support for his foundation and, you know, our prayers out for him, his family and everyone with with Buffalo, with Cincinnati and, you know, all across the football world. And that just shows you how important CPR, having a defib on there. In my past job, I've had to use CPR and a defib to save somebody's life or help save somebody's life. And and uh, the team's made the right decision not continuing with that game. Uh, it just I, I want to give a shout out to the medical staff as well for doing such good CPR and AED because, like I said, those defibrillators, I, I don't know if they have them at the area insurance arena, but I think they should be everywhere in a public building nowadays. You just never know when something happens. And uh, also Joe Bach and Troy Aikman and the, and the ESPN crew yeah. did a good job because you don't go into a broadcast preparing for something like that to happen. No, you can't and you you, you can't and you shouldn't prepare for something like that. But, uh, you know, the class that they handled in handling the situation and understanding the severity of it was things that they'll talk about in media studies classes for eons to come and again to, to echo your sentiments you know a massive shout out to the ems and the emt and you know the medical services team there it's a thankless job a lot of the time but to be able to react that quickly and to be able to truly save his life in in a lot of senses is is something that should not go unnoticed and you know it's it's great to see the way that the football world and, and just the world at large is, has reacted following the situation in a moment of unity and in being able to raise, I think I saw the numbers were over five million dollars for his foundation today. Seven point you know, two million now. Seven point two million, which is it's incredible. Uh, yeah, it's it's truly incredible. So you know, I 
I you hate that it has to come out of a situation like this, but you know, I know that when he makes a recovery and he sees the work that, you know, and the good work that's going to be able to be done on not just his behalf, but I think it was over 200,000 people who have donated to the foundation and to the charity, you know, the work that he and they are able to do with this money, it's going to be life-changing for so many people. And as much as we all love sports, uh, Sean, it just puts port sports into perspective in the big scheme of things as well, because yeah. I'm guilty of too, when the Philadelphia Eagles or one of my teams lose getting upset or stressed out about it, but really it's not that big of a deal. Uh, when you see the human element side of it, grand scheme of things. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's all perspective, Definitely. but you know, I think, I think that the, especially, you know, given the, the situation, the bills and the Bengals have done just first class in immediate reaction and making sure that they went over to the locker rooms of the, of the bills right after, um, you know, the situation occurred and making sure that they did, you know, check-ins. Um, I saw the quote earlier today from Joe Burrow saying, you know, it's not super important to us, you know, how we proceed with the game, whatever the bills decide, whatever makes the most sense for them with their mental health and with, you know, their support of a fallen teammate, that's what we're going to, you know, abide by, you know, whatever makes the most sense for them. And I think that's the, that's a big thing because you can't teach class like that and you can't teach, you know, human empathy like that. And I think the city of Cincinnati, the Bengals organization, and, you know, the leaders in that team and in that locker room have really stepped up and showcased that again, it's bigger than sports. And uh, I think the OHL, my experience, does a really good job having medical people, paramedics at the games, as well as the staffs from each team. It just shows you how important. We all love to talk about the players and the coaches, but it also we should probably talk more about their medical people as well, how important they are as well. Yeah, no, I absolutely. And, you know, I, I would be remiss if during that circumstance, I didn't give a, a shout out to our very own athletic trainer, Andrew Kupneski, who worked his 500th game on New Year's Eve. You know, when you think about it, 500 games in the Ontario Hockey League is insanity. And anything above that, that, you know, we're talking about Steve Bell, 40 years, anything like that. But, you know, in a, in a role like that, again, something that goes under the radar, doesn't get the acclaim or the attention that it deserves to be able to, you know, help countless athletes over the course of 500 games. And, and to echo your sentiment again, all those medical professionals, athletic trainers, everyone who's putting the uh, the players in the best position to go out there and and really play what is a battle of attrition for 68 games plus preseason plus practices. I mean, that's it. That's no small feat. And one of the, the photographers for the storm, his name's Gar Fitzgerald. He's been doing it for years, but he's also a paramedic supervisor in Guelph. Wow. And he's one of the nicest guys. So if you ever see him at the Sleeman Center, his name's Gar Fitzgerald. Really good guy. And uh, and uh, he will, and even if he's working as a photographer, if there's some kind of medical, he will still go and assist and help out. And he's a really good guy, uh, Gar Fitzgerald. That's special. That really is. Definitely. I wanted to give him a shout out because he's one of my biggest uh, supporters of, of my podcast show as well on here. Well, hopefully I'll get the chance to see him tomorrow then when I'm at the Sleeman Center. Definitely. And uh, I will come up to Erie. I will let you know when I come, can come up to a game. And I want to see a Seawolves game this summer as well. Uh, before I let you go, um, safe travels to Guelph tomorrow. What time does your bus leave from Erie to Guelph? And how long of a bus ride is it normally if, if border traffic is not an issue? 
Yeah, we have been, and this is me knocking on wood and crossing my fingers. We've been very lucky at the border so far this season. And I, again, I mentioned it uh, on, on USA. I don't think any team in the Canadian Hockey League crosses the border as much as we do. So the fact that we've been so lucky is truly someone looking out for us. But uh, we're leaving tomorrow for noon. Uh, stop for a quick lunch in Buffalo and then probably arrive to the Sleeman Center probably about 4:30 or so. I know we've been again. This is me knocking on wood and crossing my fingers. We've been lucky that all of our travels to and from Guelph have been uh, have been very quick, not just this year but the tail end of last year. So, uh, hoping that we'll get there early enough for a Tim's run, and uh, you know, hoping that uh, uh, a quick game gets us home in time for uh, some good sleep before we host Guelph on Saturday night. So, yep, noon leave tomorrow, and uh, hopefully uh, not uh, not later than 3 a.m. arrival back home. Do they still have a Tim Hortons in Erie? We do. We've got, boy, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, we've got 13 or so. But there's wow. just something special about a double-double. I get a dark roast double-double with honey, and there's something special about it when you can get it A, before a game, and B, in Canada. Well, definitely. And um, where can my audience, again, find you on social media as well? Yeah, for me personally, uh, I'm on Twitter at Call Me Bednard. Uh, if you are interested in following the pod, uh, that is at U S E H P O D USA Pod. Um, and of course, make sure to follow the uh, the Erie Otters and give them some love too, because uh, you'll see my face on there quite quite a bit. Not too often, but quite a bit. That's uh, at Erie Otters. So um, yeah, keep up with us. You know, we've got a lot of great things coming up on a promotion standpoint on a media standpoint and uh, just a lot of fun here. And we, we try and just make our social media and our presence uh, in the community and around the OHL as, as fun and as affordable and as family friendly as possible. And I need to come up to Erie because I need to get an otter's bobblehead. I still collect bobbleheads. Oh, we've got plenty of bobbleheads. You tell me who you want and I'll make sure we get that taken care of for you. Okay, definitely. And uh, hey, Sean, I was going to say thank you so much again for coming on live with CDP Sports Talk. And uh, we'll definitely see you at least one or at least one game at the Sleeman Center this season. And I'll definitely come up to Erie. And uh, I would love to be able to cover an Otters game and, and do a story about my experience in Erie as well. Chris, that would be fantastic. Thank you as always for having me and for uh, your positive words about the Otters. Well, thank you so much again. Safe travels to Guelph, and I hope you can save your voice for Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday as well. With enough water, anything is possible. Definitely. <laughs> that We'll have to get into that the next time I have you come on about what you drink before a game or how much you can drink and, and, uh, and stuff like that. Pacing your voice, I guess. Training your voice. Absolutely. Okay, Sean, have a great rest of the day. Safe travels to Guelph, and good luck to the Otters this weekend as well. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Sean. Talk to you soon. All right, guys, that was Sean Bernard, the uh, media uh, media relations manager and the TV and radio play-by-play -play announcer for the Erie Otters. And before we go, guys, I'm just going to show you a little clip of the uh, Erie Otters' preview season from the Ontario Hockey League channel. 2022-2023 season. Joining me now is Erie Otters head coach BJ Adams. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time today and welcome. Thanks, Joel. To start things off, what makes the Erie Otters exciting heading into this new season? I think for us, uh, we had a lot of new players last year. And the fact that we got a lot of experience, you know, if you look at starting on our back end, you know, Noel on played 54 games for us as a 17-year-old. 
uh, you know, he gets his feet wet, so to speak, and a little baptism by fire for him um, playing that many games. So it, we're excited to have him in the back of the net for us. Uh, our whole decor returns. All six guys are coming back. And, you know, last year I think we had less than 100 games experience in the back end. So uh, we had a lot more experience now in the back end. And we got a lot of guys returning up front as well. Um, and they've all looked great in camp so far. So we're pretty excited so far heading into the season. You mentioned Lalonde, a young goaltender who got his feet wet last season. How assuring is it to know that you have that young guy who already knows what to expect heading into this next year? Yeah, it's great. You know, we had an injury last year and he stepped up and, uh, you know, he, he he took his lumps a little bit like uh, like any young netminder would in our league. Um, but we, we think the, the experience that he gained last year is really going to benefit him in excelling his game this year. And looking at that forward lineup, what forwards can fans expect to make a big impact to the team this season? Well, I think it, you look at Elias Cohen, uh, for one. Uh, you know, he was really doing well for us last year. Um, you know, lost his father, you know, midway through the season. Uh, it was a real tough year for him and for our whole team, actually, you know, to have someone go through that. Uh, um, it was a real emotional time for our group. Um, but looking for him to continue on the pace that he had and improve on it, uh, Noah Sador, uh, another OA, who I think is going to make some leaps and bounds uh, this year. Uh, we got Brett Brissett coming back here, uh, who had a pretty good start to his first uh, first year in the OHL last year. I think he's going to make a big improvement. You know, Kerry Terrence, I think, really came on at the end of last year. I, I look for an exponential growth for him uh, just to really dominate here coming forward. And we had Malcolm Spence, um, who's looked really impressive so far. So uh, we really got a good mix of guys coming up front here. Christian Cairo had a breakout year for your team last season, scoring 18 goals and getting getting selected in the second round of the NHL draft. How important is he to the lineup? Oh, huge. He, he controls the puck. He controls the play. Uh, he can slow the game down, speed it up uh, when we have possession of the puck. You know, he's definitely, uh, you know, our go-to guy in the back end and, you know, he controls the offense for us. So uh, very excited for him, obviously getting draft, drafted by Dallas. Um, and the year that he had, I don't know if anybody saw it coming, but he put in the work and uh, he got the results out of it. You mentioned that the team has a lot of returning experienced players this year, kind of looking forward to the rookies that are coming in. Who can fans expect to make a difference for the team this year? Well, definitely Malcolm Spence. Uh, he's, he's looked great in camp. Uh, a couple of practices that we have, he's been outstanding in. Uh, he competes really hard. He's got a, He can skate really well. You know, he's got a knack for for taking the puck to the net, and uh, you know, he doesn't like to lose his battles. So I think the fans are really going to enjoy him. And then, kind of going back to the vets, who do you expect to be a leader for this team to kind of push that success this year? Well, you know, definitely are are always for sure. Cam Morton, uh, you know, wore a letter for us last year. Uh, look for him to to lead our group as well as Elias Conan, Noah Sador, who I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, looking for guys like Christian Cairo to step up as well. I think Kerry Terrence can step up. We got a lot of guys we feel in our locker room that can be leaders, um, whether they wear leather or not. Um, so we're actually really excited about, you know, our group of guys and our leadership. And then finally, what are the club's main goals and expectations heading into this new season? Well, enough's enough for us. We want to be back in the playoffs. Uh, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to be here for, you know, the last two years or 51 seasons. And then when we won the championship, 
Um, you know, there's nobody on our roster's taste, taste of playoff success. So uh, we're really looking forward to getting back in there and, and you know, giving the fans here in Erie uh, some playoff hockey. Well, Coach, thank you so much for taking the time today. I wish you and the Otters the best of luck in this upcoming season. Thanks, Cheryl. My pleasure. That clip was courtesy of the Ontario Hockey League's YouTube channel and also uh, a preview of the Erie Otters uh, before the season started with BJ Adams, their head coach. Uh, Erie's got a busy weekend, guys. Erie's got three games this weekend. Uh, Friday night, the Otters are here in Guelph to take on the, the Storm at the Sleeman Center at 7.30, and you can uh, watch that game on Rogers TV 20 or you can listen to it on CJOY or on the Erie Otters radio network with Sean uh, Bernard as well. And then Saturday night, the Guelph Storm are in Erie to take on the Otters at 7 o'clock, I believe, at the Erie Insurance Arena. And then Sunday at 2 o'clock, the Erie Otters are at home to the Sarnia Sting as well. So again, I want to say thank you to Sean uh, Bernard for coming on today and talking a little bit about the Erie Otters, the Ontario Hockey League, and his broadcasting uh, career as well. You guys can also follow him on Twitter at CallMeBernard Bernard on uh, Twitter as well. And also you guys can check out their website, ottershockey.com as well. Before we wrap this up, guys, uh, as I do with all my show, um, next live with CDP Sports Talk, sponsored by Barry Collin Chevrolet. To be announced, I will let you guys know when the next show is. And also live with CDP Sports Talk is always live streamed on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, LinkedIn, and I want to say thank you to everybody on those platforms for watching this show today as well. Uh, my website is beacons.ai slash Christy Palme to see all my social media content, my websites, and my YouTube channel as well. And before we go, Live with CDP Sport Talk, again, is sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet Dealership at 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall. Check out barrycullen.com for the newest selection of new and pre-owned GM vehicles or give them a call at 519-824-0210 as well. StreamYard is the official live stream provider of Live with CDP podcast. If you're into webinars or podcasting, check out StreamYard as well. Great company to deal with as well. And Live with CDP podcast is always downloaded on audio version to iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, CastBox, LinkedIn, Stitcher, TunedIn, and Podbean as well. And also, guys, you can check me out on TikTok at Live with CDP on TikTok as well. I post a lot of video content there as well. And uh, I'm looking forward to doing some more camera work for the University of Guelph this weekend and hopefully with Rogers again in the next week or two as well. But again, uh, the next live with CDP Sports Talk, uh, I will make an announcement this weekend and I'm trying to get one or two shows uh, booked for next week as well. Again, I want to say thank you to my uh, guest again, Sean uh, Bednard uh, for coming on from the Erie Otters and uh, if you guys can give me 10 to 15 minutes I will have this podcast show um, downloaded to my audio platforms as well again 
And uh, looking forward to the hockey games this weekend. Uh, Guelph and Erie, Friday night in Guelph, Saturday night in Erie, and Sunday Erie's uh, taking on the Sarnia Sting. So I hope everybody has a great have the, has a great night, great weekend. Enjoy the OHL games, and uh, thank you again for watching and listening to Live with CDP Sports Talk. Again, brought to you by Barry Cullen Chevrolet here as well. And uh, please check out the Erie Otters website, Otters. Uh, hockey.com i'll just put it up on here ottershockey.com as well all right guys uh again have a great night great weekend and enjoy the ohl games and we'll see you guys uh, next week for another edition of live with cdp sports talk good afternoon everybody